Welcome to episode 16 of the MFFL podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Lippold. Today, folks, we got a little twist here. I am here with one of my good friends, Matt Wilson. Say hello, Matt. Oh, hello, everybody. How you doing? Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the AFC and NFC championship games. We're going to be talking about the LeBron and Kyrie drama that has happened last night. Also, we're going to be talking about the, the Cavs and Zion Williamson. Talk about a little about a little bit about Kevin Love, and we're gonna close off the show with the Cleveland Indians. But let's just start it off. Uh, this uh, weekend we have the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Rams and the Saints. Matt, what are your predictions for these games? So I have a very I, I have kind of an interesting thought process here. So I have starting with the uh, AFC, I have the Pats thirty-two, the Chiefs twenty-eight. I think that Tom Brady is going to show up, and he's he's going to be his like you know curtain call. Like he's going to throw out a big game, just like they did when they went was it fifty four to fifty one a few weeks ago. That was like no the regular season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's going to be an amazing game. Um, I think the Rams and the Saints. It's going to be the Rams twenty four, the Saints twenty one. Now I think that Drew Brees, as he normally does in the playoffs, is going to choke, and I think Jared Goff is going to. Also not do great, but still be able to beat Drew Brees. See, my thought process here is I have the Chiefs 35 and the Pats 33. I think Mahomes takes the torch from Tom Brady, and the AFC is going to be uh, Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield for the next decade. And for the NFC, I have the Saints and Rams, but I have the Rams 41. Or uh, sorry, I have the Saints 41 and the Rams 24. I just think Drew Brees at home is so much better than Jared Goff as a quarterback. And the Saints had the heartbreak last year against the Minnesota Vikings. We all know that play on the sideline, that hail mary they got. But I just think the Saints are much better than the Rams. Obviously, all four of these teams are. Uh, the top four offenses in the NFL, so I'm expecting a lot of points for the AFC game. The Chiefs are the favorite, minus three, and the over-under is 55.5. Matt and I both uh, have the over for that game. But for the NFC, uh, the, the line is also minus three for the Saints, the home team, and the over-under is 56.5. I am taking the over, and Matt is taking the under. What do you, why do you think this will be a low-scoring game with both? Uh, high-powered offenses. So, the, the the way I think about this is Jared Goff, as we kind of see in the playoffs, is not Jared Goff in the regular season. So, I don't think that the Rams are going to be able to score a ton of points. And I think the Saints are going to kind of follow suit. I think that both, they're going to be able to, like, a dominating game. But I think it's going to be more, like, mediocre offense. And they're going to get a few, like, random scores. So, I don't think anything big's going to happen. So, I do think that they're going to hit the under. Yeah, the Saints last week did only score 20 points against the Eagles. Uh, that, that score was 20-14, to 14, but the Rams did put up 30 points against the Cowboys' defense, which was, was pretty good defense for the the majority of the season. So, I mean, if you just combine their scores last week, that's 50, so that is the under. But I just think uh, both defenses are – I think the Cowboys and the Eagles' defense are slightly better than the, uh, the defenses they have. But – Offense wins the NFL nowadays, so I'm expecting a ton of points uh, this upcoming weekend. And so my Super Bowl would be the Chiefs and the Saints. Um, Matt's would be the Patriots and the Rams. Uh, just hypothetical, your Patriot, your Patriots, Rams. How would you see that Super Bowl going? I've actually thought about this one a lot, and I still don't know. But I'm gonna say that the Patriots are gonna win, and everyone's gonna get mad again. 
I just, but I think this again, like you said about the Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes AFC, like this is his curtain call, and like the years to come, it's going to be the Browns and the Chiefs and the AFC mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. I, I mean, we all, everyone doubted. I took the Chargers to win last week, and the Patriots just stopped on their throats. Uh, so I mean, I, Bill, with Bill Belichick, anything's possible. With Tom Brady is obviously the best quarterback of all time. So if I saw Patriots Rams, I mean, again, that's pretty much. Tom Brady versus Jared Goff, and obviously we know who the better quarterback is in that scenario. But it's not always just about the quarterback. I, I would lean towards the Rams slightly. I think their defense is a little better. But, again, as I mean, for me that's a toss-up. And then my Super Bowl would be the Chiefs and Saints, and I think both teams would score about 70 points. Uh, I mean, Mahomes versus Breeze would be an absolute show. That would be a stellar Super Bowl. I'm, I'm praying that one happens because I just think there will be a lot of points. And you got the young gunner who's going to win MVP uh, in Mahomes, and then you have the old gun going for his uh, second Super Bowl with Drew Breeze. And, I mean... There I, would be no defense. Like, yeah. it would be... I mean, the, the defense would be playing, like, deep ball the entire game. Like, earlier this year, it was the... the who played? It was the... Rams and Chiefs played, and the over-under was the highest over-under ever. I forget what it was at, but, I mean, I think the Chiefs and Saints, or even if it was the Chiefs and Rams again, I think that would be uh, just so many points scored. And if you're betting, you definitely take the over in that one. But uh, that'll be it for uh, NFL talk here. Now I'm going to play a short clip here about this drama that Kyrie Irving has brought up. I'll tell you one thing, and obviously this is something that um, it was a big deal for me because I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him, like, you know, I apologize for being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at, you know, my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that, and, you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people. And Brown was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show show us what it's like to win a championship. And it was hard for him. And uh, sometimes getting the most out of the group, it's not the easy, easiest thing in the world. And um, like I said, only few are, are meant for it or chosen for it. And, you know, I feel like the best person to call was him because, you know, he's been in this situation. You know, he's been, he's been there with me where I've been the young guy of, you know, being a 22-year-old kid and, you know, wanting everything. So that's Kyrie talking last night after the Celtics defeated the Raptors 117-108, but that's just Kyrie pretty much explaining why he called LeBron after what it finally hit Kyrie somewhat that he understood what being a leader is all about. But Matt, I mean, obviously a lot of drama has been going on from this. What is just your take with Kyrie Irving coming out saying these things now? I mean, I've been shaking my head the entire time, every time I listen to this, just because it, it... Kyrie was pretty much explained um, when he was a young player what he had to do in order to get the reins in the franchise that LeBron pretty much explained when I leave the franchise is yours mm-hmm. and he didn't care you know whatever and now that he has young players like you know Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, all of them mm-hmm. who want the same thing that Kyrie wanted yeah and he's realizing that it's a lot harder and that's why their team is third in the division like he yeah. he's seeing the pain but the problem is it hurts us cleveland fans because he should still be here right and uh, i think um i think 
I don't really blame Kyrie for wanting to leave because obviously he's around LeBron every day and after we won the championship. I mean, I think it's kind of, not right away, obviously, because everyone was so happy we won the championship. But then it started creeping up again. Like LeBron won. He's always like talked about going out west for the Lakers and he wanted to get out, out in front of it. But to me, all this drama comes from uh, Dan Gilbert still letting go of David Griffin. I mean, I, I think Dan Gilbert got in way over his head, obviously. He should have never traded him to Boston in the first place. And then just to get back a fragile, hurt point guard and Isaiah Thomas, obviously, was not certainly ideal. But the funny thing here is uh, an article from Joe Varden uh, from The Athletic came out and saying when LeBron James got the phone call, he was with Kevin Love at, at dinner in L.A. And, I mean, that is just sweet justice. I mean, Kevin Love being there. It's like it's almost like a stab in the heart. Like, the three that could have been and still yeah. be. Yeah. And now, like, it's all falling apart because Kyrie wanted to go be the king. Yeah, we had that article from Richard Jefferson drop. Uh, I forget what he wrote it on. Um, but he had an article about his whole career and talked about Cleveland, obviously, a lot. And... I, I read the whole article at school, and it, it was just funny because he finally talked about when we won the championship, and then he had a whole line by itself saying, and you know what pissed me off the most was not getting two in a row, effing Kevin Durant, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously, you know, maybe if KD never joins um, the Warriors, maybe the, the crew would stay together, but there were also murmurs that Kyrie wanted to leave after we won the championship, but he decided to stay because we won the championship but I just feel like Kyrie finally understood. I mean, I, I guess I get it because he finally like matured maybe into saying, you know, maybe I was wrong in, in doing what I did and calling LeBron. I, I mean, I commend him for calling him. Um, I mean, it's just funny as heck because LeBron sitting across or next to Kevin Love and all three of those were, were Cavaliers, but... You have any final thoughts on this situation? I mean, the last thing that you kind of just touched on, I think the fact that he did it and verbally admitted, like, I mean, we could never have heard of this phone call that it ever happened. Mm -hmm. I think he verbally admitted is kind of showing that he knows he kind of, I don't want to say did something wrong, mm -hmm. but knew and has now seen what the wrongdoings that he did when he was a 22-year-old, like he stays. Yeah, yeah. Um, this all stemmed from Kyrie uh, publicly calling out his younger teammates, uh, at, the, at the end of Orlando Magic game, uh, Jalen Brown made some mistakes. Gordon Hayward, obviously, he's not a young guy. He's been in the league for a while, but he he took the last shot when he was when he was covered. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's just just sad because all three of those, all Kyrie and LeBron and Love's been hurt. But I mean, it's just it just hurts, especially as a Cleveland fan, because we could easily have more than one championship in 2015 if. Kyrie never hurt his knee, and Kelly Olynyk ripped out freaking Kevin Love's arm. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, Cleveland is a bunch of freaking what ifs. What ifs? I'm not even just basketball, but I've got one one question to end yeah. this. Do, mm -hmm. do you think Kyrie is going to stay in Boston? Because we heard that. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip mm -hmm. with the chance mm -hmm. of them saying Kyrie's leaving when they yeah. were down by 20. Yeah, I did see that clip, and also, but the thing is, Kyrie was at a season ticket uh, member. He was at the at the TD Garden, and he they asked him if he was staying, and he said he would if they wanted him. And I mean, obviously, they they would keep him. I mean, it's freaking Kyrie Irving, especially maybe if Terry Rozier took the next step forward 
and turned into an all-star point guard, they would maybe have thoughts of it, but he took a step back. So I, I definitely think they, they, he should stay there. But, you know, I don't know there's, there's talk about him going out to either uh, Brooklyn or uh, the Knicks. You know, the Knicks have room. Maybe they could sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There's been talks of that. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, moving on a little bit here, we're sticking with the Cavs. The Cavs are absolutely terrible. The Cavs are sitting at I think not eight nine. wins. Yeah, nine. nine and thirty-six. We beat the Lakers. That's how we got the nine. Yep, nine and thirty-six, and you know they're in the number one spot. They're a game and a half above Chicago and New York for the number one pick. Um, but the, with the new lottery odds, uh, one through four, or one through three, all have the same odds. Uh, so it doesn't really kind of matter. I mean, but. With the number one pick or maybe the number two or three pick, uh, who do you like out of this draft class? I, I mean, I, I Zion Williamson. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's pretty much set. Like it's it, it's the one that everyone else wants. I mean, the only I mean, you have Zion Zion. 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 I'm so bad at it. I can <laughs> never say his name. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, mm-hmm. John Morant, or like your top four. Mm-hmm. I mean. The Cavs need a player that can be like the next LeBron. Yeah, and I think that's what they're looking for. They want this guy who's got the big name, mm-hmm. was like you know the for sure number one pick, and I think you have to do it no matter what. Yeah, just because if you look at his numbers compared to everyone else, it, he's by far the best player, and he mm-hmm. can play many positions and shoot the ball from everywhere. So having someone that can diversify the court like LeBron could. Mm-hmm. It, the Cavs really don't have a strong suit anywhere right now, right. especially with Kevin Love's injury. Mm-hmm. So having someone that can do that, I think, is what they need. Yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, Zion Williamson obviously is, is the surefire number one pick, in my opinion. But if the Cavs were to get the number two or three pick, I mean, Claren Reddish and R.J. Barrett are, are, I mean, I don't want to say Cam Reddish is just as talented. I mean, R.J. Barrett's leading the team in scoring with 23.4 points a game. But, I mean, they're all freshmen. They're all young. And I think if the Cavs, they need to hit on this pick with with Love being out. I mean, Colin Sexton, we're going to talk about him in a minute, being a huge question mark. I mean, there's not really many players that, you know, you're going to look at this team in five or even three years from now and say, yeah, they're for sure going to be on the team. So you need to hit on this pick. Uh, Obviously, it's the lottery, so anything can happen. But the Cavs are sitting, I mean, in a, in a good spot, the number one seed uh, for to get the number one uh, lottery pick. But like you said, Zion Williamson, he, he can shoot, he can rebound. Uh, he's only averages two assists a game, uh, but he does play uh, under the basket most of the time. But the thing for me is he, he's not the greatest at shooting threes, and he's going to have to definitely develop that part of his game, especially in the, in the NBA where you're going to have teams that are going to double him, especially if the Cavs are as bad. Let's say, like, Love's hurt again, and Zion's the the rookie. He's definitely going to have a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, I like Zion. I think I would take him number one, but I'm not super opposed to R.J. Barrett. Um, What are your final thoughts on here? I mean, I'm kind of with you in the same boat. Like, if the Cavs do fall to number three, I mean, the fact that they can get any Duke player is still, like, really yeah. good to know that you're going to get a Duke freshman who's all of the age of 19. Mm-hmm. So that is, like, a, a plus um, that you have this strong of a top five that, mm-hmm. like, you don't normally see drafts like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like this year and last year have kind of been very good. I, w- I would also be good with R.J. Barrett. Um, I would probably take him over anyone else. Yeah, if, besides. If I had, besides. Right? Yeah, just because he, like, we need someone that actually can shoot and make plays. Right. Especially because, like, our younger guys right now are getting there, but they mm-hmm. can they take a lot of shots and they miss. Like Yeah. I, I mean, mean, obviously, R.J. Ter- Barrett took that big shot against, I believe it was Florida State. Yeah. Game-winning three. So I don't, I don't know if Zion is there yet in terms of that, uh, if he's got the big shot. Because all of these, obviously, you always see his huge highlights of the dunks. They're all over SportsCenter and, and Twitter and Instagram, obviously. So, obviously, he's, he's the bigger, flashy player. But, I mean, the Cavs just need a center stone. And I, I, I'm really not opposed to either of them. If I wouldn't be mad if the Cavs took Zion number one or if they took R.J. Barrett number one. Obviously, Zion's the, the way better athlete. I mean, he's, what, like 6'8"? Yeah, the, six six seven two eighty five, and uh, R.J. Barrett six seven two oh two. So I mean, Zion is obviously the the freakish athlete. You do all these crazy dunks, but I mean, in the NBA, you're gonna have to make shots. You're not always gonna be able to dunk. So that's that's what I'm just leaning towards a little bit. The the last thing, the the one thing I'm a little nervous with uh, is the ability to play in the NBA because mm-hmm. he's been covered since he was what 14 yeah. and he was 6 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, you know, you know, uh, being a Twitter star and now Duke star coming up to the NBA makes me a little nervous. Yeah, but not I mean, everyone's a LeBron, not everyone can handle the pressure. Right. And I mean the last thing that makes me ner- like not nervous, uh he's built like a Miles Garrett and it's like it, yeah. it is scary. Right. A guy like that's going to be in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Um let's just transition to a little bit. We're still on the NBA here. Uh does Kevin Love have a lot of trade value? And if so, should the Cavs consider moving him? He hasn't played at, at all pretty much this year. Got hurt early early in the season. But um, would you be opposed to trading Kevin Love? They talked about they would need a lot for him. But, I mean, he's an injury prone, just signed this huge extension. So what's your opinion on Kevin Love? I think that he does have a good amount of value because of his extension. Yeah. I mean, he's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still. I mean, if he was only on a one-year deal, he would have maybe like no value. But now that he has the extension of what was it, three years, four, like three years, a hundred million. Okay, him having that ex- that that deal, I think, makes teams very interested, especially ones that want to get themselves to that top level and um, be in the finals. Right. I mean, you have a lot of teams who are right on the border. You know, I mean, teams like Boston. Not saying that they'll do it, but right, right. Having teams that clearly could use him mm-hmm. and a player that knows how to shoot knows how to play won a championship won yeah. a champion he knows how to play in the playoffs right and especially he'll be back and that time yes he's injury points that probably knocks his value off a little bit oh for sure but i mean especially for the Cavs, like we were just talking with the draft it now would be the time to get rid of him since you have that number one pick mm-hmm. you can build your team around that yeah so for me it all for me it all depends on what we would get back true I mean, whether it was a few first-round picks. I mean, I don't think we'll get that much. I mean, we'd obviously have to. The other, excuse me, the other team is taking on a lot of salaries, so we're gonna have to match salaries. And I don't know the full extent of what a trade would be, but like you know, like a team like Houston, um, Clint Capella just went out. Obviously, Love's still out, so I mean, I'm not saying trade him now because he's obviously not back. He's not gonna be back for a few more weeks or even a month. He got he got sidelined a bit. So, I mean, for me, I mean. Kevin Love extension is Dan Gilbert being in over his head again. The second LeBron 
decided to go to the Lakers. He should have been on the phone trading, looking for offers for Kevin Love because that was his highest point. Uh, he was our best player. He wasn't hurt. And that's when you could have got the max value. But now he's signed this extension, which is going to put a burden on the other team with the salary cap. Like you said, if he was on a one-year deal, I mean, it would be an expiring deal, so it would be worth a little bit more if he was a rental. But now he's got this huge extension on him. So it puts a little bit of burden. That's where I disagree a little bit. Um, it puts a burden on the other team for having a salary and match salaries and whatnot. But the Cavs said it would take it would take a, a good amount to, to trade him. And also, there was a podcast uh, earlier today or yesterday it dropped, and it talked about Cavs untouchables and supposedly Colin Sexton's the only untouchable. Uh, they would be – they say it, it would take a lot to move – Chetty Osmond, but what is just your take on Colin Sexton being the only untouchable when he averages, uh, what's it say, 14.6 points a game, two assist, 2.8 assists, so pretty much three assists and three rebounds a game. I mean, he's untouchable. I mean, I'd trade him for another one, number one pick. I think the way the Cavs look at him right now is they get this praise that he's, you know, a really good defender, playmaker, yeah. knows yeah. how to play. I think that's the reason they're convinced to keep him, and he's very young. And yeah, I think that's they're, they're trying to build this young team. I don't really agree with it. I mm-hmm. think that if someone called and say, "I'll give you a first round pick and a second round pick," I'm yeah. gonna take that any day of the week. Yeah. Um, if it's like a you know one through fifteen pick or something. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that it's 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 hard to think about mm-hmm. that you're putting a lot of your chips into this 20-year-old, which I think they're so used to doing that with a LeBron, with a Kyrie. That's what they did. They got a young yeah. player and put all their chips into that basket, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're both sitting here, and we're both older than this guy. I mean, yes. Colin Sexton, obviously he just turned 20. He entered the NBA when he was 19. So he's still a young guy, but, I mean, man, three assists. People were When we had Kyrie, people were ragging on him for averaging four or five assists, and this dude averages three assists. We played uh, Portland last night, 11 points, one assist. He never gets to the free throw line. He never really creates opportunities. I mean, I mean, obviously there's a there's a huge burden on him because the team just sucks as a whole. So I don't really want to critique him too hard. But then again, I mean, I mean, he's your number one pick last year. We took him eight from Alabama, and it's just we threw him into the fire a little bit because of he was our number one pick. But I mean. I, I would like to see how he develops next year if we, say, get a Zion Williamson or, or an R.J. Barrett because obviously that's another super talent. I think Sexton could be a two or three option uh, on a, quote, playoff team. Uh, if it gets to that level, obviously the Cavs are miles away from that, obviously. But as I talked about earlier, if the Cavs do this right, I think they could be back in contention and maybe – Two, three years, if it obviously if they hit on Zion. I mean, the, when the Cavs got LeBron, they were in the playoffs. I think they missed it the, his first three years, and then we're already there just because of how superior and how much better LeBron made his teammates. So if, if Zion or uh, R.J. Barrett's anything like that, I mean, obviously we're talking about the second best player of all time in LeBron. Maybe first if you argue he's better than Jordan, but <laughs> we're not going to do that yet. Yeah, But obviously Zion's getting comparisons to LeBron, so... I mean, what would you what do you think about Sexton? Could he be that two or three, or should is he just going to be a bust? I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think the way I'm looking at it is if you get someone like um, and like honestly anyone else, 
in the draft. Like, if you get mm-hmm. any one of the top three or four that we mentioned earlier, and they're, like, the star, he can easily be the two or three. Like, mm-hmm. I think he is, the way I look at it, I think he is a Kyrie, but without the I want to be king thought process. See, I just disagree right there. But see, no, but, well, this is what I'm saying. You know, I mean, like, I think, I think Colin Sexton wants to be known and wants to have his name well known, but I don't, I think that he is... He has to be a background player, and that's not what the Cavs have to tell him. Yet he shoots a lot, and that's what worries me. See, yeah, yeah I think Kyrie is just so superior to this guy. Kyrie oh. shoots the ball better. I'm <laughs> not comparing yeah, him okay, to okay, Kyrie. Okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I should rephrase that. I'm not comparing him to Kyrie. I'm saying, like, when Kyrie was here, mm-hmm. he wanted to be the, the lead. Guy. Right. And I don't yeah, think yeah. Colin Sexton is that. Yeah, yeah I, I agree I think, with that. I think he is more... He's going to be laid back, and he just has to learn when to shoot the ball. Yeah, I definitely am not going to go too hard on him because I think the coaching staff is – we're going to get a brand-new coaching staff next year. I don't think Larry Jewell will be the coach. And our defensive coordinator for the Cavs, Mike Lombardi, I believe. I mean, de- we're dead last in defense. We're on pace to be one of the worst defenses of all time in the NBA. So I'm not going to go on him too hard because I think we're going to get a new coach. Uh, I think we'll have a, a brand new look for the season next year. Plus, our whole team has been hurt. Nance is out now. Love's been out majority of the season. Thompson just got back. And obviously, there's trades. I mean, the trade deadline's coming up, I believe, next month. Uh, middle of next month. So, uh, it's just it's tough for me because I, I don't want to get too hard on him. But he was your number one pick. So, I mean, you, you should expect a good amount from him off the bat. But, you know... Like I'm a fi- I'll finish my final thoughts with Sexton. I think he could be that two, maybe three, uh, two at best. He's definitely not your best player on a playoff team. I think Matt agrees with that one. Um, what just what are your final thoughts here on Sexton? I mean, I, I'm I'm agreeing with you 100. I think he's a solid player. I just don't think he is the star. And I think the Cavs knew that when going in mm-hmm. to him. I mean, the only other star that they could have like. Michael Porter Jr., but right. he's got the back problems. But who knows with him? I right, mean, that's, yeah. I guess, the same you could say with Kyrie, but at the same time, really still no one knows with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, um, yeah, for, he's on the Nuggets now. But yeah. the Nuggets were in that situation where they got Jokic, they got Murray, and they could take a chance on a guy like that. But obviously right. the Cavs are not like that. But I mean, the Nuggets are in second place right now. So it's yeah, like they, right. they're clearly doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. The Cavs need help in some way. I mean, they're like atrocious bad they, yeah they have all tons of young players so i mean i understand what they're doing but i mean i mean it's just funny here that i'll close out the final thoughts here that that, that dan gilbert really thought this was a playoff team like he signed love and said this isn't a rebuild and it's just nine wins you don't even have 10 wins yet it, it, it it's just it's, it's just hysterical how bad dan gilbert is but speaking of bad owners now we're going to transition to the cleveland indians here Matt, let me just start off with this. Yeah. What the hell are the Cleveland Indians doing? Uh, nothing. No, like, nothing. That's, I mean, it's it's been rumors of trades and zero free agency. Yeah. Zero. They they cleared all this this cap, got rid of Jan Gomes. Um, who, uh, Jan Gomes. Who got rid of? Edwin Encarnacion. Encarnacion, we traded. Got um, Santana back, though. Yeah, but that, I mean, we lost four free agents. Yeah, lost Brantley, lost Miller. Lonnie Chisholm. Right. So, I mean, you're going to tell me uh, we can't sign Lonnie Chisholm to be a right fielder. Signed with the Pirates for $2.7 million. I mean, I, I get he's had calf problems a, a lot, but, I mean, man, he's good if he's healthy. 
I mean, I understand Brantley going. I mean, he went to uh, Houston. He, yeah, the Astros, right? And they signed him for yeah. They signed two two years, thirty two million. But see, that's the thing about the uh, the Astros. They're in the position to they they could. Brantley's a singles guy. He's not going to be your number three hitter in that lineup, obviously. So they're in the position to say, you know what? We're probably we might play the Indians again if we match up with them in the playoffs. And let's take one of their better players because he's a luxury for us and he's a cornerstone for their team. So I just I don't know what they're doing. There's trade. There's a, a rumored trade. The latest rumor is the Padres are pursuing Indians Corey Kluber to flip him to a third team, which is just odd to me. The Padres, I don't know what I, I get what they're doing. They're trying to trade for Kluber just to get more prospects in return. But if you're looking at the Indians, I mean. Obviously, there was a huge talk with Bauer or Kluber going to the Dodgers, but do you think the Indians will trade one of their pitchers? I want to say no, but at the same time, like we said, we don't know what they're doing right now. I, I think a lot of it depends on where Machado and Harper go because the, the market is so slow. Yeah. We're just waiting to see who, where those two go. Uh, rumors lately, the, the White Sox are in on Machado, and the Phillies are the front runner for... Harper, so I mean, we'll see. I think the market's slow. I mean, last year the market was really slow with JD Martinez going end up going to Boston. Didn't sign until I think it was February, right before spring training began. But there's just there's a few free agents that the Indians could look at. Um, Adam Ontavio, I know he just signed with the with the the Yankees. The, but he's like perfect for the Indians. Signed a three year, twenty seven million dollars. I mean, nine million a year for this guy. I mean, who do we even have in our bullpen? Brad Hand. Simber. Uh, Simber, who was atrocious at the end of last year. There are, there are a few free agents I would look uh, I would look at. I know Matt and I are both in on Marwin Gonzalez. Um, I mean, in a dream scenario, mm-hmm. having like an A.J. Pollock. Right, but that's right. that's never, I mean, the Cleveland Indians, unless they're going to sign like an Edwin and Carson deal. But I just happen. doubt it, right? But I mean, I like Marvin Gonzalez is only thirty. He's yeah. from Houston. They Houston signed Michael Brantley, so he's out. It makes sense that yeah. like he would be a guy with us. I mean, they're also if you want to go older, like a Curtis Granderson or right. Derek or uh, Matt. I mean, Matt Joyce. There's uh, there's guys out there. But... I think uh, I still think if we sign Curtis Granderson to play right field, I mean, I'd be okay with that. I'd be expecting. An improvement at the trade deadline, but I mean, obviously he's not terrible. But I just think the bullpen's still the number one issue. I think the Indians should take a look at re-signing Cody Allen. They should also re-sign Oliver Perez. And before the podcast, Matt and I were just looking. We were looking at possibly Drew Pomeranz. Obviously, he he was shaking in Boston, but that's just another arm that we're going to need. Uh, it's just frustrating because I don't really. It looks like the Indians are just caving in and closing their window intentionally and I just we have two of the top 10 players in baseball with Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez we have a once in a generation pitching staff where our number four or five guy would be a number two or, or even number one possibly in the future it's just the the one thing going back to the trade we talked about Corey Kluber I, the one kind of thought process I have is I love Corey Kluber but yeah. especially with the Indians doing nothing, it makes me feel that we want to trade him and we want to get the prospects and the younger guys who are, are playing. Yeah. Like, having... I mean, the reason they want to do the three-way trade with the Padres is they have 
four outfielders who are 25 and younger. Right. And I think Austin Hedges, who's 25 as a catcher. Yeah. So, like, there's two pieces for us. And See, then mm-hmm. they can flip Kluber for another prospect, and then we can get another small prospect. But, like, they can regain everything with their Kluber trade. I mean, I can definitely get it for the Padres, but if you're looking at the Indians, I mean, at this point, I'd rather just go to the Reds and be like, like, hey, Sensel and Puig and maybe another piece. I mean, Puig uh, is a rental, so he'd be pretty much gone. But, I mean, Sensel is obviously a, a piece for the outfield for the future. Yeah. But I'm def- I'm so 100% opposed to just giving in all for prospects. I mean, I think the Indians, uh, they're shedding money like crazy, and they're just not putting it back anywhere. I mean, obviously things change. Like we talked about earlier, we're waiting for the market to develop a little bit with Harper and Machado. But once those dom- dominoes fall and, and they still don't do anything, I think – you're, you're going to lose a lot of the fan base. Obviously, they always uh, are crying about our attendance. But, I mean, well, I mean the, the fans showed up after we went went to the World Series. And, and all the playoff games are always sold out. And they, they make money. I I just don't get why they're shedding money like crazy. Do uh, you have any final thoughts here? I just think they're nervous. I think they, they don't want to get stuck in a pit hole. Like, I mean, for example, like the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. Got it with Miguel Cabrera. Then when they had Prince Fielder. It's not all these huge names, big contracts, and then nothing really happens. Yeah. Which I understand, but you also, if you're going to get prospects or if you're going to sign some people, mm-hmm. sign the people the lower contracts and get prospects who are actually going to play. Um, I know one guy we did mention, the relievers, that, like, Tony Sip. Yeah, that's another guy. pitched for the Indians, so, like, the yeah. organization knows him. Yeah. So, I mean, you could sign him for a one-year, you know, $2 million, $1 million deal mm-hmm. and bolster the bullpen instead of, a you know, a Nick Goody. Oh right! I also like I like the name Mike Mustakis. Plug him at third, and then you could. I mean, I I don't I hate Kipnis. I mean, I I don't hate him obviously, <laughs> but it's just like I th- I think he's overdue. I mean, the, we the, the, I think Jed Lowry would have been a, another perfect guy, right? Plug him in anywhere, like another one of those guys. But it's I, it's just frustrating. Yeah. I would say if you d- bring up the Mike Mustakas point, yeah, if you don't sign an outfielder like Marwin Gonzalez, you sign a third baseman and put Kipnis in the outfield. At least Bolter. At least you're getting another outfielder basically mm-hmm. that you already have on the team, and you're making your infield like the top infield. I definitely understand. I mean, I'll, I'm interested in where, what they do with Bowers. I, I mean, Santana's probably the DH first, and then you can have Bowers either at first. Or you can put him in left, and then Leonis Martin. Obviously, he's been cleared from his uh, his incident. But then right field, we were looking at the depth chart. Tyler Naquin. I mean, right field, really, Mister. I drop balls in the World Series. Right to him. Yeah, but, Jordan Lupo. Yeah, below. I mean that's and Greg just, Allen. Yeah, I mean uh, Greg Allen. Obviously, I don't know. We don't know too much about Luplo, but Greg Allen's another guy. But I mean, is he really going to be all that? I mean, I just I don't think so. I think he'll he's decent enough to field the position and you know maybe bat two fifty. But other than that, I don't think anything huge of him. I mean, I think the Indians are looking at the rest of the competition. Like I mean, twenty seventeen was the year they were up two zero on the Yankees. That's when we had Edwin. Edwin got hurt uh, in that series, which really threw a wrench, monkey at the wrench, but. Uh, 2017 was the year, and then 2018 free agency happens, and then you have J.D. Martinez going to the Red Sox and all these other teams get, getting so much better where it's just frustrating because I think the Indians look at the other competition, the AL, and they're just looking, they match it up like, man, they're, they're so much better than us. And it looks like, like you said, they're either slowly tearing down for a rebuild 
which, I mean, I certainly don't agree with. I mean, you have all these great players, but it's just frustrating here. Any final thoughts here, Matt? No, I mean, I'm, we're pretty much in the same boat. Like, we, they're, I think they have some thought process of what they're going to do, but as a fan, we don't see that, and that really hurts us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just tough. It's just tough to see that there's guys out there who can clearly do something, but we have no idea what's going to actually happen. All right, folks, that'll wrap up episode 16 of the MFFL podcast. Mitch was out this week, but you can follow him at at Mitch8Soccer on Twitter. You can follow me at at Lippold underscore 27. And then Twitter and Facebook, you can follow our page at MFFLP. And then our weekly blogs that we try to do throughout the week is www.mfflpodcast.com. And I want to thank Matt for coming on the show. You can follow him at at mwilson2423. And thank you guys for tuning in.